0: coming up on today's show sarah's day admits she questioned her husband's intentions when they first started dating why australian influencers are making the switch from OnlyFans to playboy's creator-led platform and how employing a fake assistant can get you further in life hello and welcome to outspoken it's your dose of the hottest influencer and pop culture news twice a week I'm Kate Torbert, and I am still feeling so embarrassed after going out in public with you yesterday, Sophie, to get our driver's license. Why is it me that all these embarrassing things are happening too? So we had to renew our driver's license. Fun fact, they go out of date on our birthday, which is next week. So I don't know, it felt weird all going together. I feel like the lady gave us a weird look. Well, we had to get a new photos. So that's why we had to physically go down there. And I was expecting to be asked all the annoying triplet questions, but she didn't say anything. She was actually so lovely. But I had to have my photo taken first, you guys dogged me in to go first. Then it's your turn and anyone who has ever taken a selfie with Sophie before will know that Sophie has to have a particular side. I have a, a very angular face. And you will stand there and almost shake on the spot mm. and that's what you did in front shake. of the camera. It threw her because you're not allowed to smile in the photos yeah. anymore. So that's the news that blinking and just moving her head the whole time. Well, I was just waiting for her to press the flash but I don't know if they were doing some sort of face recognition thing and that was really putting me off. No, they would. Would. Oh my I, gosh. Why did she would? take so long? Because she was waiting for you. Spe- you to stop moving on the spot but I literally, because i can't actually i can't do that closed mouth smile that people do or the little power i was worried that my fa- i was pulling a really weird expression do you know what Sophie looked like is one of those bobbleheads the most annoying thing is that your photos probably going to turn out nice because you had three goes i was one and done this is a cappuccino i
1: asked for a decaf cafe latte you incompetent imbecile
0: Ever wondered how people managed to get that impossible restaurant booking or hotel upgrade? TikTok has a genius hack for you. All you need to do is hire your own fake personal assistant. Journalist Ella Quitner wrote a brilliant piece in the cut about the phenomenon. She did take one for the team, though, and had to out herself. Yeah, she did have to confess that she has created her own personal assistant called James but she did it as an experiment to test a TikTok theory that kept popping up on her feed that a fake personal assistant will get you further in life. The best part is her personal assistant, James, has a whole backstory and persona. <laughs> so according to Ella, he's a bookish NYU student who is polite but persistent. Apparently, he learned to be dogged from his mother, who was a line producer at 60 Minutes. James is also very good at his job. He got her tickets to a sold out show and he even goes that little bit further in her personal life. So he reached out to her best friend's husband to organize her birthday present. So they didn't have to have that awkward transactional conversation. James is even even contacted Ella's doggy daycare to inquire why photos of her dog don't show up as much. Now I have to reiterate that James is a hundred percent fake. So it's actually Ella doing all of these things. I need one of these James personal assistants in my life. I feel like it gets rid of any awkwardness. You get what you want. It is genius though, because sometimes it's so awkward having to deal with some emails where it'd be better off if you did have somebody asking the tough questions. Yeah. Well, Ella is not alone, so you may as well jump on the bandwagon. According to a publicist at a New York based agency that specializes in hospitality, a fifth of the assistants she interacts with are fake. So the way she spots a fake is the way they communicate. So fake PAs will often always email, because they obviously don't want to talk on the phone. <laughs> Another big telltale sign is when an assistant will send an email, but it will come from their boss's email address. I've got to admit, Sophie and I did have one of these accounts for our business because it got a little bit awkward sending invoices. So we actually created an accounts at Hula Media one. And it was so much better because, you know, when you work in PR and you're meant to be super friendly to people, you don't want to be like, where the hell is that payment? Like it's 10 weeks overdue. I don't think the person had a name though. No memory or this elaborate backstory. Maybe we needed to create that for Mm. it to be more realistic. Yeah. Well, as I said, many people are doing this and it's quite interesting to see what people get their fake assistants to do for them. So Ella interviewed a range of people who used fake assistants to further themselves and fake assistance tasks varied from person to person. So some use their fake assistant to screen potential introductory meetings and determine whether inquiries are serious. Others even threw their assistants under the bus. If they were like missed a meeting or were late to a meeting, they just put the blame on the fake PA. Such a good idea. Yeah. Then there are those who just use fake assistants to get perks like hotel room upgrades and access to booked out restaurants or first class lounge access. And for others, it's not about perks, but just a nervousness to ask for pretty reasonable things. I feel like it adds a little bit of clout to the person as well. Like when somebody says they have a personal assistant, you think, wow, they must be doing pretty well. It also creates this buffer between you and the person and also rejection, because if you're not putting your name out there to be rejected, it's just this fake person. You feel a lot better about the situation. Oh, it's a great smokescreen and a level of protection for your ego. And as you said, Amy, if someone's important enough to have a PA, Mm. then you kind of want them at your restaurant. And it makes people buy into this myth of who you are. I'm
1: on my way to go shoot for Playboy. So I'm really excited. I'm nervous, but I'm really
0: excited. Playboy has relaunched its creator-led platform and is on a mission to rival OnlyFans. Aussie models and influencers are reportedly making the move to the classy alternative. But will the app's approach win out? Amy, can you tell us about this Playboy app? Well, they first launched their own creator-led platform in 2021, and it was under the name Centerfold. So at the time, rapper Cardi B was touted as the creative director of the app and the founding member. So recently, Playboy quietly relaunched this platform as Playboy.com, and it's already attracted some well-known US names, including Jordan Woods, who was, of course, Kylie Jenner's ex-BFF, and Amber Rose. Well-known former porn stars Mia Khalifa and Lana Rhodes are also on the app. And on a local front, Megan Mark, Gabby Epstein and Gina Stewart have signed up to the platform. You mentioned that Cardi B is the creative director of this app. Mm. I didn't know that she had any connection with Playboy. It's interesting that they're trying to tout a female as the founder of this new app. It is. So she was the creative director of Centerfold, So it's relaunched under a new name. And it's not really clear if she is a part of this yeah. new app yet. But as you said, it is pretty clever of Playboy because they have copped some pretty bad publicity over the last couple of years. So to put a female front and centre... It's quite clever. I'm not sure how clever it was though, because it didn't seem like it got much attention. Centerfold has had to rebrand as Playboy.com and I had never heard of it until now. And I think that Playboy must be pushing this promotion because they are really trying to point out the differences between these apps. So if you think of the platforms like dating apps, Playboy is trying to position itself as like a rare while Mm -hmm. OnlyFans is the equivalent to Tinder. So unlike OnlyFans, when anyone can sign up, Playboy.com creators have to be accepted to join. And I think this move is to ensure that the Playboy creators live up to the original Playboy brand. Another big difference is Playboy.com operates under similar guidelines to the original magazine and allows nudity, but not pornography. So it's being called a classy and glamorous alternative and being marketed to a more conservative demographic. I can kind of see why it didn't work the first time. I don't know how appealing that is to people when you have only fans as yeah, an option. Because they're offering up celebrities or models as opposed to everyday people. Is it the same kind of access as OnlyFans? Yeah basically it's the same thing so you can still interact with the creators on playboy.com you can send them tips and I agree Sophie I think that having this format may attract bigger models and bigger celebrities who are okay with showing nudity but don't want to be doing hardcore porn. Yeah it's kind of like the magazine has just become the app because you think about Kim Kardashian I mean is she going to sign up to playboy.com because she's featured in the magazine a number of times. You're not going to clearly get that interaction with her. Well, you might. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might do it as, oh, we've got... Kim Kardashian on the app for a month, she's getting $5 million and she will send you some messages. How quickly do we think Playboy.com is going to try and poach some of OnlyFans' biggest creators? Do you think we'll be seeing Anna Paul and Michaela Testa on a local front move over to there? I don't think so because I think it's going to be challenging for those people that are very well-known on OnlyFans to move from an app where they've been selling hardcore porn over to one that is selling more tasteful nudes. Their fan base is likely to be very unhappy with this change. But Hmm. it might be a progression. Progression for some creators who feel like they don't have to give more away, if that makes sense. Oh, I think Playboy.com is a very attractive option for those who originally just wanted to sell nudes online because there are a lot of reality stars that started out on OnlyFans with the intention just to sell nudes. And I think once they got onto the app and saw that they had to keep everyone's attention in order to keep getting paid, they have naturally progressed into providing more and more risque content. Mm. But when you say, I mean, you say nudes, but there's also people who were offering bikini shots or just the ability to be able to interact with them. So it's not always nudes. Yeah, well, I think nudes is the furthest that you can go on the Playboy app. What do you make of the exclusive nature of the Playboy app? Do you guys think that's a good idea? Well, it definitely makes Playboy.com have a point of difference to OnlyFans. I do wonder if it will be people in their 60s to 70s who are used to reading the magazine Mm. that will be the target audience because they spoke about being a different demographic to your OnlyFans. Mm. I wonder if they're thinking, well, we'll have the young guys who just watch a lot of porn will go to OnlyFans and then the older men who are used to magazines, they might try their luck at Playboy.com and then double their toes in interacting with the models and the creators. Well, the name Playboy.com, I mean, that just sounds old school anyway. Who refers to an app as Playboy.com? And secondly, I wonder if this will make OnlyFans reconsider its exclusive nature. Like obviously anyone can sign up to OnlyFans, but maybe they might look at only allowing you to sign up to OnlyFans when you have X amount of followers on mm. Instagram because there has been criticism around the app just accepting anybody, you know, so like an 18 year old who has no following and really not a lot of chance attracting followers can sign mm. up. It's quite ironic because while Playboy is marketing itself as this classier approach, OnlyFans is becoming increasingly more controversial and explicit. So you only have to take a look at 51-year-old maths contestant, Michelle Karen. So she made headlines when she engaged in a 12-person bisexual orgy on the platform. And she's also spoken about how often subscribers will ask her to perform extremely unhygienic sex acts for money on the platform. I don't know if stories like this are doing much for the platform mm, I don't know I feel like maybe it's making more people sign on. Michelle, she actually got conned recently. She got scammed out of a lot of money. Well, from a bigger celebrity perspective, Iggy Azalea has recently signed on to OnlyFans in January, and she originally said she was going on the app to sell a multimedia project that would encompass art, photography, poetry, and illustrations. However, in a recent interview with Andy Cohen, she admitted she's been making a large amount of money by sending degrading voice messages to male subscribers with humiliation kinks. So you can see how people go on the platform for one reason, Mm. but suddenly with the lure of money for doing these explicit things. Mm, Well, Olivia Atwood, she had that doco that was all about OnlyFans and other platforms similar. And that's what she was saying, that these people get into OnlyFans and they go, no, I'm only going to post this one photo. And then they realize how much money they can actually make, that they often do things that they never thought they'd do. Well, radio personality Fifi Box, she has recently joined the platform and is selling photos of her feet in order to raise money for (laughs) charity. I saw Daily Mail shared something about it, but they made it like the clickbait headline was next level. Yeah, I can just imagine. Well, one person that is stepping away from OnlyFans and maybe is going onto Playboy.com is Black China and she was one of the platform's top creators. She said, "All that stuff is dead end and I know I'm worth way more than that. I feel like I have bigger fish to fry." Shout out to the people that still have their OnlyFans and stuff like that. Get your money, don't let the money make you. I found it interesting that there are celebrities jumping on this app, particularly after the way Playboy's reputation has taken a big hit in the last few years. I wonder if it will be on the up now. I think there's so much nostalgia around Playboy still. I mean, when we were at high school, remember how people would wear a lot of Playboy branded clothes? And we seem to be looking at the early noughties and 90s, even with Pamela Anderson's recent doco. Mm. She shared a lot about being in Playboy. And people have so much love for Pamela Anderson at the moment, particularly Gen Zetters, that I think that it's a brand that's on the rise. I think people are forgetting about what's these misdemeanors that have happened. See, I disagree because I think this is a brand that Gen Z don't actually want to be a part of and don't want to support. I actually disagree because I think now that Hugh Hefner is dead, that the brand has the potential to move forward and improve themselves. My name is Sammy Robinson. I'm going to be taking you through my self tanning routine Sammy Robinson appears to be winning her breakup with podcaster Jordan Simi. The owner of One Mile has been living it up on a brand trip in Paris, followed by a quick trip to London to visit her influencer friend, Cartier Milan. Yes, well, I did notice that Sammy attended a Chelsea soccer game with Cartier, who recently confirmed her relationship with Chelsea soccer player Ben Chewell. And Sammy was cheering the team on on Cartier's Instagram story. And she was then spotted later at dinner with Cartier and Ben, as well as a group of, I would presume, soccer players. I did have to do a sneaky screen record of Cartier's Insta story to take it all in because Cartier shared a video of Sammy in the back of a cab wearing Birkenstocks with socks. You're still looking good in those. And when you pause the video, you you can see that there's a guy that Sammy is kind of cuddled into, and I'm presuming he's a soccer (gasps) player. I love it. I also love the fact that the video was taken in the back of a taxi because if we all remember the infamous video with Jordan Simi and French Toast, that was in the back of a cab as well. That's Mm. right. I didn't even think of that. And I loved how quickly it stopped. Like if I hadn't screen recorded it and paused Mm. and freeze framed it, I wouldn't have seen it. Because then she can't be accused of trying to rub it in or Mm. trying to get his attention at all. Well, Sammy is back in Sydney now, but I wonder if we'll see her doing any more trips over to London anytime soon
1: it's important for you to look back and be able to say do you know what that was unhealthy
0: Divisive fitness influencer Sarah's Day has spoken for the first time about her role in toxic diet culture whilst appearing on fellow influencer Grace Beverly's podcast. In the hour long interview, Sarah also spoke candidly about being suspicious of her now husband, Kurt's early intentions and why she decided to share about her son's medical condition. Now, so if Sarah doesn't do many interviews and rarely appears in podcasts of this nature, this was quite a coup for Grace Beverly. I don't think I could have clicked on this episode any quicker. We've never seen Sarah be put on the spot and interviewed in depth about the role that her content has played on diet culture. That being said, she would have had some security knowing that she's appearing alongside a fellow influencer like Grace Beverly, particularly because Grace admitted that she was a bit of a fangirl of Sarah. Oh, I couldn't believe how much she was frothing Sarah. She said at the end of the interview that she was so thankful and she felt like she'd won a fan competition Mm. to interview her. Yeah, well, it's a good strategy by Sarah to appear alongside someone like that as opposed to going on a podcast with an objective journalist who's actually going to question what she said because I felt like Grace did not go hard enough at Sarah in this interview and she gave her a lot of easy outs. And to me, Sarah's motivation for going on this podcast was all about redemption and trying to rebrand herself because she is a very likable person. She does have an infectious personality. And this length of interview where you're going back and looking Mm. in sort of a nostalgic way at her career, I think she would have won over a lot of new fans and fans who initially liked her but sort of didn't enjoy her content going forward. For me, my opinion didn't change on Sarah because I think initially the – episode started out and you warm to her but as it went on I was just yelling at the podcast being like ask her this follow her up on this and I found it frustrating because it's clear Grace Beverly is a very intelligent woman but she kept making excuses for Sarah and almost talking for her she would make these really long drawn out comments after Sarah would make a point trying to almost give her clues on what she should say to redeem herself because I really like Grace Beverly and she was very articulate in that interview and as she said she was almost putting words in Sarah's mouth I actually, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, wow, Sarah does seem really lovely in this. And having met her before, she is a very bubbly, nice person. But as it went on, I was like, holy fuck, like, why aren't you addressing any of these things? Like she was almost laughing off some of the controversies oh. and sort of taking no accountability. With Grace's podcast, it is centered at taking a look behind the scenes of success stories. She's interviewed people like Steph Claire Smith and other businesswomen. And they're supposed to look at the mistakes that they've made along the way way. However, Grace seemed to tiptoe a lot around what Sarah said, and both women really blamed the culture at the time, so the diet culture of 2015, 2016, and 17, and they also put blame on the audience who were taking the information that young influencers were putting out as gospel. I found it a really strange approach. I could not believe when they were blaming the audience and saying, like, why would you listen to a 22-year-old? Well, there's a reason why influencers are predominantly in their 20s, because culture puts 20 year olds on a pedestal Mm. and it doesn't matter Mm. what their knowledge is. As long as they look a certain way, people are going to take what they say as gospel. But but she was also selling advice in a book. So when you also position yourself as being an expert, of course, people are going to follow your advice. Exactly. I found it really contradictory in the interview because Sarah said her whole channel was built on providing advice to her audience. Now, From hearing Sarah speak in that interview, it was quite clear that she suffered from some form of distorted eating, Mm. but she didn't confirm or deny that. She and has previously in the Health Code podcast well, I, though. I found it weird not to acknowledge mm. it though. And she admitted to feeling the pressure to look like the rest of the Fitspo girls. And she said that she didn't feel worthy to have the level of following she had if she didn't have abs. And she also admitted that she was working out three hours every day and heavily restricting her calories. Here's what she said.
1: I lost my period and I look back and I'm like, sis, you weren't eating enough. You weren't eating enough. I looked 12, okay? So, like, whatever you're into. But, like, I looked like a shredded 12-year-old. I was going through a breakup. My job was to work out. I was at the gym for three hours a day and I only ate protein bread, protein powder, fish, pumpkin. That's it. (laughs) That is it. I didn't have my period, but I was so encapsulated in that life. And I thought... I genuinely thought I was being so healthy and so hashtag wellness, that I was doing these videos saying, I've lost my period, I don't know why I have amenorrhea. You have amenorrhea because your body's in fight or flight and you're working out for three hours a day, you're not eating enough calories, you're not sleeping enough, you're getting up at 5 a.m. to train, yeah. you're going to bed at 2 a.m. because you don't have an editor, you're editing your own vlogs. You know, I look back and I'm like, I just wish I could talk to her and say, go and eat some sourdough, Yeah. go for a walk. You don't have to do that look, I
0: appreciate that she is now admitting that this was the state of mind that she was in, but why the hell is the content still up? If you go on her channel, all of these videos promoting this toxic diet and this over-exercising are still up. They're monetized. She's still getting money from them. She even gave an example of a video that popped up on her YouTube. So she was recommended her own video, which showed herself eating protein bread with protein powder on it. And she said, oh my God, I can't believe I used to eat that. Wouldn't that be sort of a trigger to then go and delete the video? I know. Mm. but she's clearly keeping it up there because it's still making her money in the background because she's monetized it now grace also asked sarah near the end of the interview if when she looks back on her career is there something she would do differently here's what she said
1: no because i feel like if you're a person and you love where you are and you feel so i hate the word blessed but you know hashtag blessed i am so content in my life right now with my family with my job and everything I get scared if I say oh I would have changed this would I be here now I love everything about my life right now I was saying to my mum the other day I'm living the best years of my life as a mum, as a business owner I'm so content so I'm like yeah do I wish I could kind of go back and not you know maybe have that toxic reaction with people do I wish I didn't do if it fits in macros do I wish I didn't do as many ab selfies yes actually (laughs) that that would be the one
0: I really didn't like the way that she tried to make light out of the way that she used to act. It was all a bit of a joke. And, to me, she still takes a lot of those ab photos that she was talking about. And she really did not sound sincerely sorry to the women whose lives her content has negatively impacted. Well, she only recently launched that ebook that preyed on women with eating and eating disorder. So I don't get how she is trying to pretend that she's transformed herself over the 10 years. She's exactly the same person, but it's quite clear that she is second-guessing herself every moment on her channel. But now allegedly preyed on people with eating disorders. Yes, sorry, that is There's allegedly. Reason. But it's just quite clear that she is lost. She no longer knows where she fits anymore because she doesn't fit. She can't do fitspo anymore. She doesn't really want to be a mummy vlogger. Like, I just think it came across as quite clear that she doesn't know who she is and what content she should be producing. The, the whole vibe was weird though, Sophie, as you said, because it was like she was like sniggering about her old self as if, oh, that's not me anymore. But that's how you got the following. And as you said, Kate, you continue to have those videos up on your page. And continue to basically create similar content or, and push similar ideologies. I don't know about you guys, but my favorite part of this interview had to be hearing more about the really early... Early stages of Sarah and Kurt's mm. relationship. I was blown away by this because she has been pretty coy about how they met and she's tried to make it into a bit of a fairy tale love story. But she admitted that she was questioning Kurt's intentions from early on. Yeah. And there has been a lot of discussion online for many years about what Kurt's motives were when he and Sarah first met. And this became a bit of a focus last year when Kurt revealed on the couple's podcast that before meeting Sarah, he was struggling financially. So, he considered either becoming a drug dealer or getting into stripping. And Sarah's interview with Grace, it seemed to sow a few more seeds of doubt in my mind and maybe others about Kurt's early intentions. I mean, don't get me wrong, six years later, they're married, they have two kids, they seem very happy together. But But Sarah was questioning his motives too. Yeah, and it's fascinating to see some of these really early red flags that Kurt was throwing out there. And also that he love-bombed her on the second date. I mean, that's just bizarre, particularly from someone that was a bad boy at this time. Like for me, it makes me think that he saw his meal ticket in Sarah and grabbed on for dear life. I'm sure things have changed now, but that's really the impression that Sarah gave. Well, to put it into context, Sarah's social media following started blowing up in 2016 when she was sharing about her breakup with her ex-boyfriend. She then met Kurt in 2017. So on this date, Kurt also suggested that he work on Sarah's upcoming ebook with her and this led Sarah to of course become suspicious of his intentions. She even went as far as making a contract for him to sign that said that he wouldn't get any money from the ebook. Here's what she said.
1: I was so sus of him. Mm. I was so sus because he was a photographer and I remember telling him I had this idea that I wanted to make this fitness ebook, right? People were asking me, what's your fitness routine? And I could only make so many videos Mm. and people would ask the same questions. And I was like, I'm going to make a program of how I train, right? And he was a PT. He was a photographer. He was like, I believe in you. I believe in your brand. Let me sign off because I'm not a PT. You have to have a PT sign off. He's like, let me look at all your workouts. I'll sign it off and I'll take all the photos. And I was like, what do you want from me? Yeah. Like this was like a week into. You sound into... like a user. I literally, <laughs> I was like, you're not getting a cut of anything I make. Yeah. So I made him sign a contract. Like this was me. like our second date. Yeah. And he, I, I I was living in my parents' house. I had no money, I had nothing. And he was like, who do you think you are? Like, yeah. I was acting I'm all not the late, and you i And I was like, I'm gonna be massive, okay? So I made him sign this contract, which still we talk about, and I'm like, you still get no cut of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <Best> of <laughs> You part. married me, like whatever. <laughs>
0: have you guys noticed that Sarah seems to make a lot of comments around how they split their money and this house Mm. is hers and not Kurt's and I feel like she hasn't changed much since 2017 and is almost trying to keep things very separate which seems strange because she is married I mean it's obviously her decision how she manages her finances I think it was a pretty smart decision though on on the second date to get Kurt to actually sign a contract oh definitely but you think things might change once they've been together for six years yeah I feel like she was joking a little Bit. I was also surprised to hear that she tried to break up with Kurt four months into their relationship because she said that he was really over the top and too nice to her. And I wonder if that played into her again questioning his motives why is he being so nice to me what does he want especially when she said she got the initial impression that he was a fuck boy so it'd be so weird meeting this apparent fuck boy and then them literally love bombing you well she said she liked a bad boy so she's probably like why isn't he treating me like shit Mm. i want to go back and work out when that four month period was like because didn't they move in after some short period it was like six months or something Mm. now another really interesting part of the interview was when sarah candidly talked about the moment she discovered her son malachi would be born with a severe genetic abnormality and during that time she said she felt like a shell of a human and was in a really dark place. And in a roundabout way, Grace asked why she decided to share this information with her followers. And Sarah basically said that she was concerned that nurses or doctors in the hospital might intentionally or unintentionally leak the information. She said many were her age and potentially knew of her notoriety and followed her. And she didn't want her son's condition to be spread as rumors online. To me, this was very odd because Medical staff sign an oath. They are not going to be spreading gossip about some influence that comes in. I just thought mm. yeah, this seemed s- really strange. Have you seen Tattle though? I mean, she probably knows about the huge tattle life thread about her. Yeah, but a doctor's not going to come in and be like, oh, by the way, th- her no, son's got this. B- no, a doctor wouldn't. But maybe there's somebody that works in the hospital or receptionist and she tells highly a friend. I someone's going to risk their job hmm, to share this information. Particularly when you are working with a high profile patient. I know it shouldn't matter. Yeah, but, but she's surely not a, there's a Kardashian. A, no, but I'm saying surely there'd be a trail to find out who knew the mm. information I True. just felt really uncomfortable when she said that because mm. I think that it makes a mockery of our medical system to think that someone is going to leak very private information about well, her son I think it- wasn't really the main reason because she also spoke about feeling really alone when she got that diagnosis and she felt isolated because a lot of her friends were having healthy pregnancies and she found herself looking up YouTubes of other mums whose children had the same genetic condition so she thought I've got this large platform I want people to be able to connect with me who might be going through something similar. I think it's a really tough situation because She hasn't actually said what Malachi's condition is, which I think is a good thing because Mm. he shouldn't be defined by Mm. that condition. It should be his choice if he shares that information. And she doesn't owe it to anybody to say it. She definitely doesn't. But I think she shouldn't have said he has a condition in the first place because it just seems like it's created this disgusting guessing game for people to try and pick what condition he has. She really did open up a Pandora's box by choosing to share about it. But after hearing her story in more depth, it's clear that she was at a time where she was deeply upset and not thinking things through properly. She clearly didn't have any advice from anyone about what to do. I do think this whole guessing game around Malachi's condition is really gross, and it would be so awful to be receiving messages like the one she spoke about.
1: Majesty, Mummy.
0: According to reports, King Charles has agreed to take part in a tell-all interview with the BBC to address Prince Harry's bombshell book. With a long list of musicians and celebrities refusing to take part in the king's coronation, it's hoped the interview will help win back support. So, how legitimate are these reports? Well, ever since Harry's memoir, Spare, was released, there's been a lot of speculation about whether someone from the palace would speak out. And as you know, Kate, the royal family's motto has forever been never complain, never explain. So they have stayed very tight-lipped on the matter. But now, with King Charles's waning popularity, it seems like they might have to change up their strategy. And if I know anything from watching The Crown, I feel like it is Prince Charles that is willing to give things a go. The Mm. Queen is no longer there to rein him in, and I think Mm. that he's desperate to change the perception of him that's out in the public at the moment. Well, information about this tell-all interview with King Charles is coming from a very reputable source, so royal commentator and Princess Diana's confidant, Stuart Pearce claims that the interview will take place ahead of the coronation in May. He said, I believe strongly that Charles will grant another interview to the BBC, possibly with somebody like Jonathan Dibley, who he trusts and likes. Dear God, I hope it's nothing like Prince Andrew's interview that would just spell the end of the monarchy. I really hope that they have some advisors who are willing to stand up to King Charles and tell him the truth because I feel like a lot of these people with status and a lot of money they surround themselves with a lot of yes people Mm. so you know people oh that's a great idea and as you say he might come across quite poorly when Mm. he would have actually maintain some dignity and respect by just maintaining his silence. Yeah, well, these reports came a day after news broke that Charles has asked his son and daughter-in-law to officially leave their UK residence Frogmore Cottage. He has reportedly offered the keys to his disgraced brother, Prince Andrew, I don't get it. Who is allowing him to make these decisions? Oh. Well, he is trying to slim down the monarchy and he seems like he is trying to remove Prince Andrew from it. So maybe this is just throwing him a bone. So you're allowed to be a sex offender, but you can't be a black female that's a part of the royal family. Well, I mean, they're getting rid of their Frogmore residence because there's, they're obviously not coming back. This is just you know, a cottage that is sitting here with no one in it. Yeah, but why put Prince Andrew in it? No, I don't agree with that at all. But it's clear that the tide is really turning on the royal family. This week, the king and the queen consort Camilla – They have been booed at a public appearance. So there were protesters carrying signs saying not our king and shouting, why are you wasting our money? Why are you defending Andrew? Come and talk to your critics, sir. And this might not seem like a big deal, but it comes as the king has received a wave of rejection from the UK's biggest performers with only a couple of months to go to his coronation. And this is pretty huge because the queen has been renowned for holding massive jubilees where everyone wants to play at. And reportedly Adele, Harry Styles, Elton John, the Spice Girls and our very own Kylie Minogue have turned King Charles down. They don't want to perform there. They don't want their branding to be related to the monarchy. I mean, recently we saw Beyonce copping a lot of criticism for performing in Dubai. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Outspoken. This podcast was recorded on the traditional land of the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. We pay respect to elders past and present. If you have enjoyed today's show, could you please make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts and also Spotify and leave us a five-star review.